This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. Unfortunately, in this edition, we'll be talking about a Spurs defeat, losing 4-2 away to Brighton at the Amex Stadium. Uh, We have got three very special guests with me to talk about today's game. Back with us is TV and radio presenter Russ Williams. Russ, great to have you back. How are you? I'm very good, Chris. Uh, Belated uh, happy Christmas to you and everybody else. And... um, Bizarrely, I'm enjoying the roller coaster that is being a Spurs fan at the moment. And this is just one of the little dips. That's all. I think it's certainly going to be a roller coaster. Uh, very yeah. well put. We've also got actor and uh, channel regular Ricky Norwood back with us. Rick, how are you? I'm okay, my friend. I'm okay. Uh, happy and pleased to be back on. I echo Russ saying Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas. Um, yeah, that was a crazy game today, but um, I'm sure we'll get into it. And um, yeah, what can we say? What can we say? Let's do it. And also back with us is Jar Wobble, of course, musician. He's just gone off. Jar, how are you? I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All good. Yeah. Bit disappointed, obviously. Gutted, actually. But, you know, at least the last... Uh, at least that last 15 minutes, we really showed character, to be fair, you know. So yeah. it wasn't the, the humiliating defeat. Uh, up to, So many memories were coming back before then, uh, particularly the Aussies, our dealers management era, when we had no defence, you know. It's a very Spurs thing. Oh. I'm going to say this off the back. You got me? Yeah, I'm going to yes. say this, that the main take-home for me with this is what other top side would be left with no proper centre half? Yeah, to come in at least one to come in and cover at this point. Yeah, what other top side? It's the kind of thing you might expect with a um, you know a newly promoted team that's pushed for budget and 
they can only play youngsters or something, you know, in that in the key position. So that for me, we and we all knew, didn't we? We knew this was going to happen, you know, in the transfer window when we only bought one centre half when we needed at least two centre halves. So that's the main that's the main thing for me. And you see, you can't blame the gaffer or the team for that. And, and at least at the end of it tonight, in that last 10, 15 minutes, if they'd got a third, I think, you know, Brighton would have been rocking a bit, to be honest, you know. Joe, I'll tell you what, when Brighton were 4-0 up, I expected a little bit more character from some of those players out there. Am I being harsh? No, I don't think so. Because I think tonight, um, lots of things annoyed me tonight. Sarf looks a yard off the pace, looked like he was jogging about. I'm not saying he, he does, it's too easy to say a player doesn't care suddenly. We know he does. Um, might be his mind's on going off to the Africa Cup, but he didn't look fully sort of present. Um, Song got knocked off the ball time and time again. He looked uncomfortable again being out on the left. Um, Ricardo, there's a slight petulance about the team at times. You know, they get knocked off the ball. They do get bullied a bit. Other teams want to bully Tottenham because we're Tottenham. So you've got to kind of get used to that. And I felt that um, some went down too easy a lot of the time. And, you know, you've just got to do better. Even with a makeshift defence with four fullbacks in there, you've got to be doing better than that. But, hey, you know, we know that Hol Holberg is not the worst player who's ever worn a Tottenham shirt by a mile. He really doesn't really suit the system. I saw people slagging him off tonight on other Tottenham fans. I know I, I thought Holberg had a you know, put a shift in, did the best he could. But we know we, we all know we've got, got to just get grit our teeth and get through this next two or three games. But let's say next two games, hopefully, hopefully by the time we have the FA Cup game, we'll have two a couple of new faces through the door. If they're worth their salt at Tottenham with a the recruitment, they would have. They would have that all lined up. They're, they're doing all the negotiations now and come one minute past 12 on, on the 1st of January, whenever the window opens, get them signed. But no, Chris, it was, we know that was the first game we played under Ange where it was, it was a hum, it was starting to be a humiliation and they looked pretty abject. So quite right to expect something more at that point. And they gave it to be fair. You know, I thought, Gill did well. Yet again, Spurs fans, I see slagging him off. I thought he'd done okay, Gill, um, out there on the left, as he did in against Villa, I think, in the first half at Tottenham. He was coming to getting the ball. He twists and turns, doesn't give it away much. Can go past the man in a tight situation on occasion. Thought he did well and loved it to see that Valise get off the mark because Ricarlison just like he wasn't going to get a goal all night, you know. It was one of them nights. He's at the post. He's offside. Get blamed for it. But to be fair, I just felt the passes were marginally too slow, you know. But that's my... I'm, I'm, I'm sad and pissed off um, at the moment, as you will be. But I was expecting to feel a lot worse because we know that was shaping up to be a 6-0 drubbing at one point. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, thank God. It was 4-2 and could easily have been 4-3 who knows what would happen if we got that third goal? But there you go. And the main takeaway for me, the centre half situation, that's the main, you know, we knew this was likely to happen because we're Tottenham. We would have the injuries. We have had the injuries. And so for any other top team, you know, if it was Arsenal, Chelsea, 
um, City, it wouldn't happen. They might have to improvise a bit when they're under injuries, but they wouldn't be completely lacking a quality centre-half at this point. It's bad, been bad recruitment, as we all know. Russ, let's come to you. Of course, Brighton... Russ, let's come to you. Um, of course, Brighton were falling up at one stage. Vicario made a couple of great saves. I know we're getting to the key instance of the game, but Vicario made some great saves. They hit the post twice as well. Um, I know you said you were enjoying the roller coaster. Surely you weren't enjoying it at that stage. No, that, uh, that's a global picture um, of, you know, life for us as a Spurs fan. Um, we all knew that even when we were playing brilliantly well at the start of the season, that there was going to be some potholes in the road. And unfortunately, this is one of them. I mean, I I just think that if you're Roberto De Zerbi and you've got 18, 19-year-old players and James Mil Milner is a very experienced player and you play like we do, pressing football, you see Hoiberg's name on the team sheet. A, you know he can't pass consistently well. B, you know that he's got the turning circle of an aircraft carrier. But I agree with Jai, you know, he put in a shift tonight, but he simply isn't good enough for Ange Ball. But a few of them in that team tonight are not good enough. And that's why he keeps playing the way he plays, because he wants to know for sure that the certain players who aren't going to make it under his new system. And we'll see some of them going in January. And hopefully, as Giles said, you know, we will at least get a centre-half in, in the January transfer window and more. The thing that concerns me overall is, with our first 11, that doesn't happen tonight. You know, we only have to be three, four players short of what is the system for Ange Ball and the quality that goes with them. And we're going to struggle. And um, my worry is that Mickey van der Ven, God bless him, comes back in a couple of weeks. Daniel Levy goes, well, pff, look, Mickey's back. Let's not worry about getting a centre-half. And then, heaven forbid, you know, he pulls up a couple of games in and we've lost him again for a few weeks. Romero's out for a few weeks. I think they have to go and find somebody. And if they haven't got somebody in mind, it's a scandal. We've had all this investment in personnel and the football department. So somebody's got to be doing something. Otherwise, why are they in a job? So we're about to find out from a minute past midnight. But overall tonight, Chris, I, th I thought at times we were most un-Ange-like. Started well, first five minutes, great. And then Brighton started doing what we do, trying to stop us playing out from the back. And we got away with it in the first sort of 10 minutes. And then, of course, the quality in certain players is there for all to see. And they give the ball away and Brighton managed to get the ball and they're into us, you know, and it happened far too often. But for Vicario, we really could have been six down, seven down, you know. And the penalties, will come on to them, I'm sure, in detail later. I mean, just stupidity. And so Ange, being Ange, is standing on the touchline, you know, in, in stoppage time in the second half. Camera pans in and he's Ange. But you know that he's absolutely boiling inside in some of the things that's, that's happened, you know, because they work all week with no European football. And there really isn't a fit, fitness excuse. Uh, you know, there, there's just, as we know, certain players are not good enough for where we want to go to. And so 
you know, we've got to say goodbye to them. But it was a very poor first half display overall. Um, you know, Brennan Johnson, his final ball is is not really quite what it should be. That'll get better. I believe in him. I think he's a terrific young player, but he's got to start delivering. I'm not sure I like Sun on the left and Decky in the middle behind Richarlison. I think I'd like to see it the other way around. But I'm not the manager, and we've all got our opinions. Um, but I did think, yeah, we were poor. When you're looking at the scoreboard and it's Brighton 4, Tottenham nil. I mean, it's impossible to say that you're a happy bunny. Rush, you said a couple of times there that some of the players aren't good enough. Who are you well, referring to? Well, I mean, Hoiberg, I don't think is good enough at this level. Uh, we don't need a stopper. We need somebody who can stop, but is also creative and has got a bit of pace in midfield. Um, I, I, you know, I know Richie's had a good couple of games and we all want to see him win, believe me. But really, we need a striker. You know, somebody who knows where the goal is. Valise in a couple of seasons could be that player. I mean, look how... I mean, I was so pleased for him. I'm sure we all were. When he scored, it was like he scored the winning goal for Argentina in the World Cup final. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's just brilliant to see, but he's a young player. I'm thinking to myself when I see the starting lineup, why don't we have Ashley Phillips in the starting lineup? You know, why? There must be a reason. I don't know what it is because, you know, we bought him to play in that position. Um, and, you know, clearly Emerson isn't good enough. I don't think Giovanni Lo is good enough, really, consistently. He might play like nearly Maradona for Argentina, but I don't care. For Spurs, occasionally, occasionally he might earn his paycheck. You know, Brian Hill, I know what Jar said. To me, he's lightweight, really. Is he going to make it in the Premier League? Probably not, in my opinion. So there's a few. Ben Davis is the only one, I think, who can hold his head up, who was for me, in that sort of time's up, races run, off you go with Eric Dyer, Ben. I think he's actually acquitted himself pretty well in the last few games. Rick, let's come to you. There's been a couple of comments already and a couple of people actually stopped me leaving the ground this evening and said, I can't wait to hear Ricky's comments because he's always so positive. He wants, you know, People are looking forward to hearing your positivity tonight. Well, I'll get myself off mute first. Um you know what? T t tonight was a crazy night. Look, I, I think we knew and I think we got warned from Celtic fans that, especially at the beginning of an Am Postacoglu transformative, you know, transitional period, that we will get a spanking. And, you know, technically you can say we got a spanking from Chelsea, but we were the creators of our own demise that night. And, you know, it's not just one thing that goes wrong for us. It's everything that goes wrong for us. So that's, I don't really count that as a, as, as a beating, as a drubbing, but tonight, you know, especially in that first half and throughout really, they, they did look tired. They did look, you know, lackadaisical. Some of them passes were lazy. Some, some of the time I was watching them and I was kind of feeling that they felt that if they just went through the motions that it would happen for them. Um, so you could see them pretty much off the pace. A lot of the passes were off the pace, but at the same time, we were still creating chances. You know, those first five, 10 minutes, we, we were creating chances and, and you know, we, 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 we could have kind of done what we normally do and score first. But the one thing that I did notice was there was a lot of ball watching in that back four. And I think that Brighton kind of gave us the respect um, 
that that is due for the football that we've been playing in the in those first 10 minutes but once they broke the lines a couple of times and they saw the panic on that back four which is four fullbacks in that back four once they saw the panic in some of their eyes and they realized that they could get through you know they they kind of had their tails up and it, they grew in confidence um and you know and they done what they done. Um, it was easy for them to kind of slip past us, and it, and it could have been four 0 in the first half. You know, Brighton played some fantastic football. They played like us. They played a high line. They played um, you know aggressive pressing, and they nicked the ball off of us every time that we made a mistake, and they pumped it up the other side. You know, if you look at some of the goals, one of them was a was a poorly weighted back pass that got run onto. Uh, um, you know, we've had two penalties that were highly avoidable. You know, Kulazewski kind of got away with one. I think it was in the last game against Everton or it was the game before where, you know, they we saw it on the replay that he held a, held a shirt and, you know, it, nothing was given and we kind of got away with it. But today he kind of held on for dear life like he was falling off a cliff. I don't know. But um, so they had to give that penalty. When you're challenging from behind in the box from LaSalle, so you're always running the risk. You have to 100% get the ball. And even then, if you manage to take the man, if you manage to take some of the leg, then they say that you've gone for the man as well as the ball. And it's more than likely, nine times out of ten, it's more than likely going to be a pen. So, you know, uh, it, 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 it was it was a rough ride. Um, the, the, the one thing that you can say about this Tottenham side, and our boss does not look for excuses. He doesn't like excuses. What I like about him is that he doesn't afford the players' excuses either. The ones that he's got, the ones that are wearing the cockerel on the shirt, he asks them to pull up. He, he expects them to play this in exactly the same way and to kind of show him what he's got. And like Russ said there, you know, and he will see with, with that assessment under the cosh if they can still play the same way. And those boys continue to play. You know, they didn't feel sorry for themselves. It was a tough game. They were leggy. They were, they, you could see it in them. And nothing was kind of coming off, you know, like Russ did as well. Like Sonny was a bit all over the place. But this is going to be one of those bumps in the road. We knew it was going to get a big result against us. We knew it was going to get a bit of a beating. We just didn't know it was going to come against Brighton. You know, we probably expected it against one of the top six sides, you know, one of the top three, you know, Man City, a Liverpool, a, a Guna, but that hasn't happened this season. So, can I just say, can I just interrupt? I just want to say, yeah. John Ricky, Arsenal um, have conceded a penalty. So it's it's 2 0 to West Ham in the last minute of added time, and West Ham have got a penalty. Crack on, <laughs> sorry, crack on, mate. Absolutely. Oh, 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 you. You may, and you're talking sense, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, brother. But like, we, we all love a cherry on the cake. So if, if the Amers have, you know, beaten the Gooners, all right, good time. Well, we've had the know. cake fucking nicked, but we've yeah, got we've, a cherry yeah. or something. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but when you look at We've got the season, icing and no cake. They yeah. lose. <laughs> oh, and he saved it, any, he saved it anyway. Oh, the cake, well, we'll, two there nil. we go. Hopefully yeah. it stays that way. But, you know, if you look at it and you assess this whole side, this whole season so far, how many injuries we have had out. And it's not been little injuries. They've all been big injuries. Now, with Romero being out as well, every 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 game that he's missed, we've lost, I think. I heard a stat the other day. Um, so you can tell not only does he have a, he's a tremendous um, defender, but he's also a leader in that back line. He's also an organiser in that back line. And he's also somebody that the rest of that back four can trust. Even if you're playing alongside of Davies, Davies trusts Cootie. We've already heard him say it, you know, 
uh, Poro feels a bit more secure when Kuti's there. Same as Yuzogi on the other side. So we have had these bumps in the road and we continue to be bumped in the road. We continue to be knocked in the head. And when we recover our headache, we get, you know, thumped in the stomach and then we've got a stomachache. And it, so every time we recover from one, we get another two boxes, you know, and what I would say is that this never say die attitude is something to be proud of. The fact that 4-0 down, and yes, it was a silly penalty to give it, make it 4-0, but at 4-0 down that these boys continue to play, continue to push, continue to press, continue to fight, I think that is the positive that we take away from it. It was an awful night. We, we should have gone on, we should have had another three points. We should have been up there. Absolutely, yes. But you've got to give credit to Brian for playing a fantastic game. Estepinian's goal was a worldie, absolute worldie. The commentator yeah. said it, it was uh, Roberto Carlos-esque, and I was thinking exactly the same thing. Do you know what I mean? So there was a worldie. There was two dodgy penalties. I say dodgy. They were deserved, but dodgy for us. And then, you know, a youngster has scored in the first 10 minutes as well, when everybody, all of the back four, was ball-watching all on the left side and left the right side totally free for the young boy to come in and score. So this is one of the bumps along that roller coaster that Russ was talking about. But it's it's one that we will recover from, and we will be stronger for it in the future. Mm, mm. I tell you what, talk, nil, talk, Chris, they've I'll, lost two 0 Arsenal. So no team who aspires to win the title loses at home to West Ham. Let me tell yeah. you. Well, if people yeah. want positivity on this podcast this evening, we're only we're only one point away from top four and six points yeah. away from top spot. So there is positivity for you at this halfway stage of the season. Um, Ange Postacoglu um, in his press conference just said it's fair to say we look like a tired team, which is understandable. We've asked a lot of these players for a very long time. We lacked energy today. They are a good team and we struggled to cope with them. We hung in there and that's all you could ask for. We left everything out there. Um, he also said um, no grumbles from me with the penalties. They are clear and obvious. There were positives at the end with this group of players. They are given everything at the moment. It is demanding to play the football that we ask of them. And they're doing it week in, week out. Uh, it's not for the lack of effort. Uh, we've been able to give the players... A, we haven't been able to give the players a break at all. And that is uh, pretty taxing. Um, Jar, is that a fair assessment from Ange Postacoglu today? And, you know, I've got to take into account as well. You know, we, we, we give Brighton credit because they had 10 players out tonight. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think our spine was more affected than them, you know? And we haven't got an experienced guy like James Milner to bring on, who's an eminently sensible footballer. So I think our injuries are worse, to be fair. But they're obviously not, you know, imagine that Matoma tonight. Thank God he weren't playing. He would have had a field day getting in behind. But, um, yeah, I think we looked tired. I thought it's no wonder it was when he bought the fresh legs on that we looked better. You know, to be fair, um, and I think that's something with Gill's got, you know, brings a lot of energy and, you know, and he's an outlet out there. I mean, it's insane that, you know, we're playing our fourth choice left-sided player out there. Do you know what I mean? It's mad. Certainly third choice because yeah. Manor Solomon and, and Perisic are out. Um, so I'm more concerned. I think that's all fair comment from Ange. Um, yet again, you have to look at the recruitment, but we knew that. He's only had one window. We we, we knew we were risking it um, by not buying one or two more players in, in, in the transfer window. We all knew that. We all knew it. And we thought it would come home to haunt us and those chickens come home to roost, and they did. Um, um, to be honest, I'm just concerned now about the Bournemouth game and who he selects for that because you've got to have some legs in there, you know. 
Kudasevsky's out now because he got yeah. he's had too many red cards. So it really is an issue. He's going to have to get very creative with that. You know, um, obviously we're not going to have uh, we're not going to have any any um, proper cent halves there yet again. You know, um, I, I thought they you know Romero looked he looked like a fallback, didn't he tonight? A lot of the time he was defending. You know. He didn't know whether to stick or twist a lot of time positionally. But, you know, but he's got heart. I guess you're going to have to play him. You're going to have to play Davis again. I'm not sure what you do in the, in the middle of the park. It might be you bring on, you know, one or two of these young boys to start the game, um, you yeah. know, on, against Bournemouth. So, I think it's all fair comment. And we all know where we're at. We're down to finding a way. We, I was, as you know, Chris, I was very, very pessimistic before this game, as I'm sure a lot of us were, because we all know Brighton, even with a few injuries, are a force to, to be reckoned with, especially now they've qualified in Europe. So it wasn't like right now they can focus on us and we can become a cup final for them, you know. Um, so I wasn't confident going into the game whatsoever. Um and Bournemouth's going to be the same. You know, they're absolutely resurgent. They're very energetic. So I really, you know, got to be very concerned. And you you just think they're going to have to make an almighty effort. He's going to have to freshen that team up and get some fresh legs in there. I guess Holberg will start again because he's not played that many games this year. Um, Skip might be back by then, I suppose. He took a knock. But neither of those are right for range ball. And I, by the way, I think Holberg's a perfectly good player. He'll go to Italy and have a great career, or Spain even. He's no mug. But it's it's also, he wasn't retained by clubs like Bayern Munich for a reason, right? You know, he's just quite not technically good enough in those tight areas, probably not really world-class there. Um, you know, he's prone to, prone to sort of sloppy touches and passes and all that on occasion. But right now, he's the best <laughs> He's the best we've got in that position. When him, I saw him and Skippy close up away to Fulham in the Caribou. I bet you were there, Chris, because you, you're every every game. But, you know, we got muddled that night, didn't we? The, the Fulham press, they, they couldn't get on a half turn. One of the worst things the last few weeks anyway, Basuma, that was stupid, you know, red card and all that. But even Basuma not, has not been getting on the half turn since he got that red card at Luton. Since he come back, he's not been quite as impressive for some reason. So that's something we've really got to look at, you know, in this transfer window, maybe, you know, because um, that's a very important position, obviously. But uh, yeah, right now it's all about the window and it's all about getting through that Bournemouth game. It's all fair comment from Ange. I thought they'd done us proud at the end in that last quarter of an hour or so, last 10 minutes. They really got it together. And they really had a go. Could well have pulled it back to three. You know, Holberg hit the post. And if it had gone to four three, they would have been, Brighton would have been rocking, you know. But whatever. It's all what ifs and it didn't happen. It was a really crappy night. Could have been a lot worse because I thought, you know, most seasons you take a tonking, don't you? Even even the likes of City take a tonking in one game away from home. Everything goes against you. I thought we this was the one I felt we could take a tonking in this game. And and we kind of saved face in that last few minutes. And, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I'm already intrigued by who he will select for um, for the game against Bournemouth. You know, I guess if Skip's fit, he's going to have him out there. 
but you're going to have you've got no choice at this point a, a young player with fresh legs is better than an old player who's cropped and can't get around the pitch right so you, you've got to start to use some of the young boys this donnelly you know would you rate this donnelly chris you think he's worthy of a start Absolutely. And in, interestingly, I had a beer with uh, Jamie's dad um, before tonight's game. And we were talking at length about Jamie and his development. Um, you know, he's developed greatly as a player. And uh, I hope and I think that we're going to see a lot of him um, in January, certainly. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether he gets a lot of minutes in the FA Cup. Um, but that Bournemouth game, we will talk about that later. But that is going to be a very, very difficult game. Of course, there's no easy games in the Premier League. But the last seven games for them six wins, one draw, and that includes four away wins in the Premier League for Bournemouth. And they were on the verge of sacking their manager, but we will talk about that later. Russ, to to, to put a positive spin, not only on tonight, but some of the defeats in the Premier League for Spurs, if I would have said to you at the start of the season, at this halfway stage, after 19 matches, we would be one point away from the champions Manchester City and only six points away from league leaders, you'd have taken that, wouldn't you? 100%. Um, because I honestly thought that we'd maybe get top six. Now, I think we will get top four. Bold statement, I know, because I think February, March and April, we're going to come together with a run with hopefully one or two new players and a fully fit squad. And uh, I've no doubt that we're entirely capable of doing that. Uh, and next season, we're going to be seriously dangerous. There's no question as a football club. Um, so I'm very optimistic about the future. And, you know, overall, I mean, we've, we, look, Ange Postacoglu is doing for Spurs what we thought Conte was going to do. You know, and we, we have to be extremely, well, not grateful is in the word, but we have to be appreciative that we've got him, that he loves the club, that he obviously knows the weaknesses of the squad, um, that he gets on with the chairman and with the new, in inverted commas, um, <clears throat> excuse me, director of football, and um, that he has a vision, and the vision involves playing one way, and he doesn't, he doesn't care. The opposing managers know that we're going to play. It's their problem to try and stop it. And incidentally, totally agree with what Ricky said, I think Brighton, uh, you know, were really, really good. I mean, they are a blueprint, are they not, for how you go about finding and signing players. I mean, yeah. their record is easily the best in the Premier League, better than cities, better than everyone. And so it's no surprise that they play really good football. I mean, Joe Pedro, what a player he is. Somebody will be in for him soon. But there'll be another one on the conveyor belt. And I'm not saying that we have to expect our club to be like that, although it would be very nice. Uh, but if we want to be a club that actually wins trophies and not constantly talks about winning trophies, then um, we've got to be extremely canny and, and put our trust in, in the head coach. And I just pray to God that, you know, come the end of the summer, he's a very happy Ange and ready for battle next season in the Champions League as well. We do constantly talk about winning trophies on this channel, Russ. Sorry about yeah. that. Just, well, no, we have to talk about it, but we actually now have to win one. Yeah. And to my eyes, I don't know what you guys think, this bloke and his type of football is going to give us the best chance. Yeah. The one best window. chance we've had for a long, long while. Forget what Jose says. 
yeah. oh, I was sacked a week before a final. No guarantee we're going to win it. Let's get to a final. Whose football would you trust in a final? Ange or Jose? Good question, yeah. isn't it? I think I'd go to Ange, just. I, th I think it is about the Spurs fans being realistic, that the fact that we have had one window. Yeah about all of these injuries, because this isn't normal, the amount of injuries that we've had to such big key players. And I think it's very fair to say, I said this last week, had we have not had all of these injuries, we would probably be sitting top of the Premier League table. So I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, Ricky, let's come to you. Um, let's have a look at the stats, first of all, from the game. Um, Brighton had 46% of the ball to Tottenham's 54. Shots, Brighton had 15 to Tottenham's 19. Shots on target, Brighton had 9 to Tottenham's three corners, Brighton seven, Tottenham six, and fouls, Brighton 18, Tottenham six. Now let's have a look at the starting 11 this evening. Two changes, of course, Romero and Skip um, out. Udogi was back, uh, Hoybier came in. So the starting 11 in full Vicario, Poro, Emerson, uh, Davis, Udogi, Saar, Hoybier, Kulisevsky, uh, Richarlison, Son, and Johnson. Subs this evening, Brian Hill, Dyer, Lacelso, Forster, Phillips, Vélez, Santiago, Donnelly and Dorrington. Um, I think it's very fair to say that what more could uh, Ange Postacoglu do, uh, Rick, in terms of the defence? Because, you know, I spoke to a number of Spurs fans before the game and, and most people were saying, do you think Ange is going to put Dyer in? Do you think he's going to put Emerson in? I thought he would have gone with Emerson. I even said this to Jar before the game as well this morning when we were talking. Um that's all he could do, really, wasn't it? Because of the injuries and suspensions that we've got. Well, yeah. I mean, he's tried it before. And you can clearly see that he appreciates Emerson Royale for his athleticism. <laughs> Get it out, Rick. Come on. Um, and his will to run, his work rate, um, you know. And, and he's played everywhere. He's, he's played right side, left side and centre-back. Do you know what I mean? We know he's not a, a, a fully-fledged centre-back, but we do get a bit of that dribbling ability, that bringing the ball out from the back and to try and get the passes uh, and to try and push the side up, up the field as well. So you can see that he was probably going to go with he's, he's at this point, trusted um, pick, and that would have been Emerson. But I thought tonight was a, a good opportunity to try a Phillips or a Dorrington. And, you know, and, and that's one of the things that did kind of disappoint me uh, in the sense that at 3-0 down, I thought that you would have given one of those a go. Just to, just to give them a go, just to see what they've got, just to bleed them a little bit. Just give them a couple of run-outs, just in case we need them for the next game. You know, if we, if we start Phillips against Bor uh, Bournemouth um, in the next game, he's going to go into that cold. But I would have liked, even if it was like 20 minutes at the end there, for him to at least bring on a Phillips or a Dorrington, just to give him a go, give him a run out and, and see what they can bring. Especially at that point, at 3-4-0 down, what, why would you not give them a go? So, look, yeah, he's, he's picked his, the, the, the trusted and the strongest eleven that he thinks that he can field um, at this point in time. And, you know, what else, like you said there, what else can he do? But to give you another positive, uh, for this and, and for you listeners and, and for all you fans kind of fuming at home those first 10 games we pretty much had our first 11 out and none of those players included the likes of Dyer, Hoiberg, 
or Davies. Do you know what I mean? Really, you know, Davies is, is. I know he gets a lot of stick, but I think he's a fantastic professional. I think he loves Tottenham, and I think he's always been there to leave everything on the field. You know, um, but those three players in particular would not be in the starting lineup. They they would be sub options if not trying to look for a move. Um, you know, and in, in those first 10 games, we were unbeaten. We went on a fantastic run and you could see what Ange and these players that he's brought in, where, where and what direction we was going in. We had a style of, well, we have a style of play. We have a direction. We have a mission. We, we have trust within each other, especially in that first 11, to go on and fulfil what the mission statement is uh, for this new way of playing. Um and ever since that Chelsea game, everything went to pot. You know, not only the two red cards, but the two injuries as well. And it hurt us. And and you could see in the in in especially I think it was November. I think we nearly did we lose every game. I can't remember. But you know, we we went on a losing run, and you could see why. And it took them a minute to kind of find their feet again and to get a couple of wins under their belt again and to try and find that momentum again. And as soon as we do that, and you know, like I said against Everton, it was a bit bitty uh, in the last game. But as soon as we do that, Romero comes off at half time, and we're thinking, all right, I'm fine. Okay, full, cool. He was sitting on the bench. He had, he had his ice. He had the ice on his on his fire. He's going to be fine. He's got time to work it out. And then we hear on the eve of this game that he's going to be out for five weeks. I mean, that that's that, that's tough to take, and that's and that's that's a sucker punch to the team itself. You know, like I said about. Just Romero's presence. Forget about his footballing ability. Forget about the way that he that he defends. But just his presence, and and the respect that he commands in that back line. He's a massive, massive miss. Um, so, you know, th- this is what we've got right now. This is what we've got right now. We've got to carry on singing. We've got to carry on backing these boys. We've got to carry on believing in this system and this way of playing because it will bear fruit. It will bring success. We know it will. But. We are Tottenham and we never do it the easy way. We always do it the hard way and we're doing it the hardest way possible. It doesn't rain, it's hailstones. Do you know what I mean? Like, And we're talking like golf ball hailstones right now. So we've got to take it, but the weather will clear and there'll be bright skies and sunshine ahead. Trust me. I think if Ange is given the time and the tools, I think that's going to change. I really do. Um, Joel, let's come to you. Uh, after five minutes um, of the game, Vicario made a fantastic save from Welbeck. A minute later, made another save from Welbeck. Wow. Um, in the 12th minute, Brighton took the lead uh, through Hinchelwood. Um, what did you make of the goal? Uh, well, first of all, those saves, unbelievable. That second one was just just unreal. You know, absolutely unreal. Um, and, you know, the trouble was when they scored the goal, I expected him to save it. Because in that instant, it was close to him. And I thought, we'll put it over the bar. But it just had too much power. You can't fault him for it. Um, but that second side, did you see Welbeck's face? Yeah. He, on the deck, he was just like, oh, how did he get there? It was an amazing save, you know. So he's, a, he's turned out to be a great keeper. No one's mentioning David Raya now at all. <laughs> um, so he's a great keeper. Um and that's one of the great big positives. Let's hope he doesn't bloody get injured, you know, because we'll, you know, imagine Forster, God bless him in goal, you know, for the rest of the season or something, you know. But um, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. I thought the first goal, um, I didn't hear him analysed after. 
I thought it. I did look at it. I thought um, this guy is is in acres of space. You know, he had time to tee it up, smash it. Um, Son was there, not looking over his shoulder. So there's nobody there shouting in that defence, obviously, because you know if there's somebody there who's got good all-round vision, who's good, you know, pro, they're gonna be, oh, you know, pick pick him up, and that just wasn't done. So. Bad defending. Uh, they were very porous. There were gaps all over the shop. And as Ricky said, you know, Brighton, um, you know, really, we, we actually wasted some very good positions early on. Russ said earlier, you know, Johnson sometimes doesn't use the ball well. I've seen times when he has this season, um, that goal away to Palace, you know, when he headed it and went into the return and laid it off was good. And I've seen him put a couple of good balls in. But, he wasted a couple, and he wasted a good opportunity to score. In fact, he it got the right side of the defender, and then pulled it back for some reason. But um, I thought the uh, we've obviously got not got enough leaders. It looked like kind of lack of leadership there today because the top players are out. So the likes of Romero, I think Son's a great guy, and you know would do his best. But he had a very poor game tonight. I thought he was going down very easy. You know, um, at the, so often I'm being a Spurs fan. I think we never get the rubber to green with fifty-fifty challenges. You know, by the way, the dunk challenge at the end. Oh. You know, what's the difference between that? No, his red card and Romero against um, Chelsea. In fact, it's worse because he's caught the guy badly against Chelsea. Nothing, and yet there's no. It's the madness of VAR and all that now. There's no debate. And whenever it, whenever it's Tottenham, there's not a debate, really. If it was anybody else, there'd be a debate. But when it's Spurs, there's not a debate, you know. Um, and then, any, you know, so they started to fancy the job. Because you do, if you play football at any level and you start starting to get behind and you realise, actually, this is going to be fairly easy tonight. We can get, we can get behind this team at will. So all you know then is you keep it tight at the back and you know you're going to be able to get behind Tottenham as they did time and time again tonight. One stat that I thought was interesting were the fouls. 18 fouls on by by Brighton, you know. Goes to very physical, quite professional stopping breakaways. It tells you we don't really do that maybe enough. You'd think in a game where you've been under the cost, you've only committed six fouls, you know. Um... You know, and I thought they got away with a bit t- t- tonight as well. Obviously, with those with that with that, the heavy tackle by Dunk and everything, the penalties as we've already commented on just daft. I thought there was something petulant about the um, the low Celso one. It was one of them tackles. I can't get in the team. I don't really give a fuck. It, you know, I'm going to fucking I'm going to put me fucking foot in. I don't care. I'm in a bad mood. I'm not happy. And if a penalty gets given, so fucking what? I'm off to Spain anyway, probably in January. You know, um, you know that element of that to it. Um, yeah, and then your four. You know, the, I thought the goal from the corner was everyone. They were going mad, and a, a neighbour of mine, um, he's a big City fan. He texted me, "What a goal!" And it's like, it was a great hit, but could somebody maybe stroll out to him at some yeah, point, close him down? Horror. It's like, like a goal shot. Here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got all the time in the world. So yet again, as we as we know, we're back every time to the wrong personnel in in the back. And I don't know what we do. 
I was, as I said to you, Chris, well, you know, outside chance we might see Ashley Phillips. I've got a feeling we might do against Bournemouth, you know, and mm. he might, you know, play a specialist player there. I guess the reason they don't is if they get mullered, it can start the guy off. It, they, you'd rather bring him in to slot in alongside Romero when we're at home to, uh, to, to you know, free nil up against Luton with five minutes to go or something. I don't know. But I, I guess it's the come of the outcome of the man, you know. Um, you know, because that was pretty poor tonight with, it, with, with, with all, you know, the four full-backs playing. And, uh, yeah, very, very... These injuries just been awful, you know. And um, please, God, now we get through into next week and we've actually got, play, hopefully, you know, Paratici, I think he's back on the firm, has got people actually, which I'm quite happy about, you know, if he is, because um, he's, he's back on the firm now, right? I think there's a consultant, is that right? Paratici. I walked down the corridor after the Everton game and I bumped into Fabio and said hello to him. Daniel Levy was with him and a fan walked past Daniel Levy and said, uh, you know, please let us get some players early on in the transfer window. And Daniel Levy replied, which I heard with my own ears, we will try our best. So, yeah, but we always hear that, we try your best, you know. <laughs> You know, I'm just people always I'm, tell I'm just it, I always I push and hustle everyone in life. And always say, we'll do our best. And it's like, no, I want it Can't now. Blimey. me. That's what I mean. You, know? you move in the corridors of power, Chris. Yeah. Well, there you are. It's just, sometimes you just bump into people. Um, Russ, mm. let's come to you. In the 20th minute, Dunk hit the post. And then a minute later, uh, that VAR board come up in the stadium. Possible penalty. Of course, Pedro then converted the penalty after 24 minutes. Let's dissect that that penalty decision. Um, Andrew's already said that he's got no problem with the decision. No. Um, what did you make of it? Well, it was a blatant penalty. I mean, you know, as Ricky was saying, he had a nibble on an Everton defender in the last game. Uh, this wasn't a nibble. He might as well have taken his shirt off and his vest, sent it to the dry cleaners, brought it back, put it back on him. And, uh, you know, it, it was an absolute penalty. I'm so disappointed in Deckley because... Um, he's an international footballer and you think to yourself, what on earth are you doing, mate? You know, we're away, we're under the cosh, we're not, you know, in any way controlling the game at that time. We, we, you know, we're a goal down and, and you just give away a stupid, stupid penalty. I mean, there is no excuse. In his defence, though, although it was pretty blatant, if we're honest, you see it all the time and nothing ever happens. Do you remember when they first brought it in? Holding and pulling of shirts. In the first two weeks, there was all these yellow cards, a couple of red cards, penalties, yeah. and everyone went mad about it because the game of football doesn't like a little rule change and it just disappeared, probably through you know pressure from managers and players and goodness only knows who else. I think it's great because I don't think you should foul in the penalty area. That's why it's called a penalty area. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. Um, Russ, let's stay with you. In the 32nd minute, um, Brighton hit the post yet again. In the 37th minute, they had the ball in the net, but it was offside. Uh, Vicario made another great save just before half-time. Um, Pedro Clear um, thought he chipped the goalkeeper and then um, a hand just come out of nowhere. Uh, Richarlison had a shot on goal, uh, but it clipped the outside of the post. At half-time, it was 2-0. And at that point, Spurs had not had a shot on target. Now, no. Ange Postacoglu um, in the last couple of weeks has said that there is so much more to come from that final third, you know, so much more power to come in that final third. Were you surprised that uh, we didn't even have a shot on target in that opening 45 minutes? No, I think we've done it in a few games. I mean, normally we score first, uh, but we are a bit shot shy in my view. And I don't know why that reason would be. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I prefer Sonny, not on the left, but down the middle. Um, and I prefer Kulusevsky uh, on the left. That That is how I would set up. But what do I know? I'm not Ange Postacoglu. Um, but, but it does concern me. And that's kind of what I meant when I mentioned earlier about Brennan Johnson with his, you know, fantastic ability. You know, I'd be telling him, shoot more. I'd be telling them all, you know, shoot on sight. It's almost like they want to kind of overplay the ball, yeah. which is beautiful to watch, you know, when it works. But let's if if you don't shoot at the goal, you're never really going to score many, are you? And in the second half, of course, we saw a completely different thing, particularly in that sort of last ten minutes and the nine minutes that were added on. I mean, these were players that were like, you know, football dervishes. And, you know, the, we couldn't stop him as the best attacking period of the match. And so I, I, I do think under Ange, we're we're shot shy. And I don't know why that would be. It can't be to do with tiredness. I'm a bit surprised that you said the players are tired. I mean, they're playing once a week. They're not in Europe like the rest of the top six. So it it surprises me a bit. Is the training that hard, do we think? Is it affecting their ability to play at 100% on a match day? Oh, maybe. Who knows? Russ, I've seen already um, some comments online. I know you can't always go uh, by fans, you know, writing you know, sometimes ridiculous stuff online. But some some people are saying, well, some of these players are playing out of position. It's not their fault. Should they be good enough to be changing their position in a Premier League game? They're a Premier League footballer, and most of them are internationals. Well, they're like thoroughbreds. I mean, I understand what those fans are saying, and they are training to do a certain job in the team. And when they're asked to do a job at a different part of the pitch, it's a little bit alien to them, maybe. Um, but, but, but there are as we've already discussed, as you will have discussed many, many times with your guests, we are short in a, you know, in being a powerful squad. Uh, quite often when we've got our first 11 out there and they go, let's have a look at the Tottenham substitutes and you think, oh dear, maybe one or two, don't fancy the rest. I mean, that's, that's where we are until we get some out and we get some new players in. And uh, it's definitely going to happen. I don't think there'll be any way a fallout between Daniel, your new mate, Chris. Um, <laughs> I'll and, please uh, that on it. <laughs> and Ange, um, because he hired Ange 
Look what the club did for Ange and Ange did for the club in this first transfer window. You know, Mickey van der Ven and Madison, two very significant signings. So they've got a build on it. And it's not easy to shop in January. Yeah. You know, it might be on Oxford Street, but in the football market, it isn't. Ricky, let's come to you. Um, of course, it was half-time half 2-0. Um, just after half-time, Richarlison scored. Um, it was disallowed for offside. Um, then he shot just wide in the 54th minute. And then a couple of moments later, um, had a shot on goal um, saved by the goalkeeper. What did you make of Richarlison this evening? I mean, he, he um, tried to continue on his good form. Um, but it, we, we've seen this. We've seen this version of Richarlison before where, you know, nothing really got, kind of goes his way. There's a, there's a lot of effort and there's a lot of kind of will, um, but it just doesn't drop for him. And it was another one of those nights tonight, you know. Um, it's tough for Richie. I'm, I'm glad that he's got a few important goals. Um, I'm glad that he's, he's, he's kind of recovering after this surgery uh, game by game. Um, but tonight it was definitely a flat one. And... To kind of come on to the tiredness issue, I know Russ was kind of questioning how are they tired. And the only thing that I can think of from all the information that I, you know, when looking at the side from pre-season, is that Ange plays football at 100 miles an hour. And to play that type of football where everybody's interchanging and overlapping, um, he has always had two men to every position so that he can rotate when the boys are tired and also uh, you know 60 minutes 70 minutes he can then change the dynamic of the side and take off those either fullbacks or wingers that have run themselves into the ground or that center midfielder that have run themselves into the ground for 60 70 minutes and then he can change it about but he's not been able to do that with the amount of injuries that are around um and and also kind of changing positions when you speak about kind of you know, they're a professional footballer. They, can they change positions? Well, of course they can, and they have. But that's de that's definitely going to be a lot of kind of mental work. You're now changing who who you're marking, how you're marking, when you tackle, how you tackle, the timing. You know, a, a plumber can be a great plumber, but you ask him to put up shelves and they might be wonky because, you know, he can do it, but it won't be the, the way that the best, you know, carpenter can do it, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it, it is taxing and yes look i know i spoke earlier the boss you know the manager doesn't look for excuses and he, he doesn't really kind of lean on them or put them out there we just get up get on and keep it moving um but that is it's definitely a factor it's definitely a factor in the way that they play football and also we're not playing 90 minutes of football we're not even playing 92 minutes of football anymore we're pay we're pay, playing like nearly 100 minutes of football you know, with all of the extra times at the end of the first half, at the end of the second half, th there is a lot of extra time here. So those players running at 100 miles an hour, you can see how they can get fatigued or when they start the next game, how they look fatigued because it suddenly hits them. So I'm not giving them an excuse. I'm just giving an explanation to why I think that Ange would think as well that they, they, they've been tired. Joe, let's come to you. Um, in the 56th minute, your doggy had a shot blocked. Um, and then in the 62nd minute, Richarlison scored again. Again, it was offside. Brighton then scored two minutes later. Um, a super, well, a, a weldy, in fact. A fantastic goal pass for Cario. Um, yeah, but don't you think Don't you think that, that, you know, he had all the time in the world to yeah. see up? Yeah. You know, yeah, incredible. Yeah. You know, it was a great, a great hit, but, you know. 
it just what? somebody should somebody should have got out. They were so stupidly convinced he's going to cross it. Anyway, sorry, Chris, go ahead. Mate. Yeah, no. What I was going to say is, literally three minutes later, um, after scoring his second goal, but both disallowed, and Postecoglou takes Richarlison off. It just seemed to be our only threat at that time. Were you I've surprised to make that change? I got texts from mates of mine saying exactly that. I suspect at that point, you know, you're well behind in the game and he needs this guy in January. So he takes a knock. So he's going to need him. I think he's going to be more likely to do well at home because he's a guy that thrives on crosses into the box and all that. Um with Carlison, and I, I'm pretty sure I don't think he was fed up with him. It's a bit unlucky. I mean, he actually hit the he hit the post, you know, with that, um, with that, with that, with the shot. He actually hit the bottom of the post mm. that was just wide. It actually clipped the post. Um, so it was unlucky. Could easily have gone in. I'm not everyone's yet again slagging him off and for, for for getting offside. But I I think you you got to put it down to the guy passing the ball needs to play the ball just a little bit quicker. To be fair. You know, because you've got to make the run. At some point, you've got to go. And you've got to think, as you go, the ball's being played as you go. And it wasn't. It's just behind him as he goes, I think. So, I I, I totally know what you mean. At that point, get him off. You're going to need... He's, 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 he's had injury issues already this year, fitness issues. So, the last thing you do, he's a tight back, remember? So, he he got taken off, didn't he? Um against Everton with a tight back. So he's probably got some reoccurring back thing now. So I think that's why he would have been taken off. It, it makes sense. And a boy of Belize has come on and scored a goal. So it's all good. To be honest, you know, I think it was a bit unlucky tonight on another night he'd score. Um, but, you know, it, it all worked out. But the best, the funny thing is, as a team, we played better when he went off. And that's not slagging him off. We We, we had more energy. Fresher legs came on. And Lo Celso's part of that, by the way, because, you know, he gets involved, he's industrious, he's not the worst player in the world. He's never really played great for us. He had a little period under Mourinho for five minutes where he did well. He got scored that cup, that goal in the cup against Middlesbrough. But there's still a player there, there's still an outside chance, you know, because we really need him. There's a good chance he'll be starting with him, I would have thought, um, against Bournemouth. Now Kulu's out, I mean, we can have to do something, you know. Um, so I think that's why I think it's quite simple why Ricardo would have been taken off it's, all, it's just managing him for the games at the moment um, Sonny's got is it one more game he's got Chris before he goes yeah just the one more game. Yeah. part of me's relieved because I suspect with these players their their mind is partly on the internationals that are coming up these big tournaments because he's such a superstar and He's funny, Sonny. You know, at times, maybe he's getting to that point as he gets over 30. We all love him. He's probably be our top scorer this year. He's the one guy that has got a goal in him. Um, I think he's been vastly underrated in the era of Harry Kane. You know, when Kane was injured, remember, Son was so great for those Champions League games. So great when he give him free reign, his movement getting in behind defences and all that. Absolutely fantastic. He's not so good when you make him a left winger. He's not as good, I don't think, generally speaking, when you put him out and he's he's too rigid. I remember Poch making him a, a, a left wing back once at Wembley. Was it against Chelsea, I think? Which is yeah. One of the worst decisions Poch ever made. You know, it was terrible. Um, but part of me's 
looking for Sonia. I feel with all these players, just, just go, just go, just fuck off. And fuck off and then come back in February and we'll fucking go again. We just fuck off. And I'm sure for the manager, because managers will feel like that. If you're injured, you think, fuck off, do you know, you know good to me at the moment. So just fuck off, off you go, go and then come back 100% focused, you know. Um, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's, he's not Tottenham through and through, you know, the sunny and we all love him, but it, it pisses me off. I, a part of me just wants to see someone out there who's fresh and trying something, you know. Um, so, you know, let's hope he goes out of a bang against Bournemouth because he sort of owes us that. Enough letters of apology. We know he loves us and all that stuff. Just give us one more game against Bournemouth, piss off, and then come back in February. Hopefully, you know, we're fresh, you know, have a break as well, come back with fresh bloody legs as well. Thank God we've only got two games in December, right? League games, you know. Uh... Jock, can, can I ask you, I remember you coming on the podcast um, when I was in Singapore for the pre-season game against uh, Lion City Sailors. And I remember asking you the question, if Harry Kane leaves the football club and Richarlison is Harry Kane's replacement, would you be happy? You said yes. Do you still feel like that? Absolutely, yeah. You know, you, it, it, Premier League football is very tricky. Who's going to fit in, who not? It's very rare to find a, a number nine who's a handful and scores goals. Dominic Solanke's looking like that because he's looked good the last two or three years. Now he's backing it up with goals. He's finding a back of the net. Richardson's yeah. got four goals in three games or something. You know, you know, he's starting to score. It made sense he was injured, so he will get your goals. I think you've got to play him as a nine more than out wide on the left. That we can handle that. And you need to get crosses in the box. You need to get behind teams and he'll score. I've got no doubt about that. You know, I had no doubt about Harry Kane going because we're Tottenham. You know, we're not dependent on one man, no matter how special. I got sick of seeing everything go through Harry Kane. Harry Kane running to take throw-ins. Harry Kane trying to play in five different positions at once. Roy of the Rovers stuff. It's never a good look that, you know. It's, and it's no criticism of Kane whatsoever. It just shows he's a good lad and love the club. But we've got to have a new era now. And we've got it with this age, you know. And I'll yeah. tell you what, I thought tonight on about 70 minutes, well, here you go, this and Wolves have been the only two games I've not been on the edge of my seat through the game. Because I'm at the, on the edge. You can't take your eyes, you literally can't take your eyes off of it. But especially when you're at the, at the ground. You're just like this. You can't, you can't take your eyes off. I've been to every home game by a couple when I've been working. And it's so exciting. Totally unlike the Conti, the end of the Conti period, the Mourinho period, where you couldn't keep your eyes on the pitch. You're looking at your phone and you're thinking, is it appropriate to listen to an audible book during a Tottenham game? And you think, yeah, I think it is. It's all right. You know, I can remember your times of football where Chris Armstrong scored the only goal of the game away to Coventry under the, the famous George Graham period at Tottenham. And I remember, we, so we won one nil. We were rubbish. We, they battered us all game and we nicked it one nil. I remember looking at seagulls. I think how beautiful the seagulls were above the ground and just the flight and just thinking, and actually thinking, shit, maybe I don't like football anymore because I'm really not bothered. And what, I was just bored with it. And so this Ange guy's got me sitting on the Jimmy seat. And to be fair, tonight, after 70 minutes, I thought this is like the Wolves game. It can be an away game where it's a dead rubber. It's not exciting. And yet I've ended up 
in that last hit, absolutely on the edge of my seat, you know, watching it. Because it's Angeball, it's exciting. You know what you're getting, it's on brand. It's great that, you know, he's, he's just going to imprint this into everybody. So everybody's got it. We attack. We, 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 we attack. And we, there's a fluidity to the play and everything. It's very modern. We've got a modern manager. And there's a joy to read there. And it is actually in the Tottenham DNA because it was Vic Buckingham, was it, who took the, who played, I think he was involved with the push and run side of the early 50s, who went to Ajax and started this possession football. People don't realise Tottenham, we are the modern day inventors of that. You know, we, we I think the Preston team of the late 19th century, early 20th century, they played possession football at the time. They had a lot of Scottish players, I think. And that's one, I think, the reason we changed from horrible gold and green. Even, even that's not as bad as this cappuccino mushroom kit, you know, which is the worst <laughs> kit I've ever seen. It's like a dish. I mean, if I had a dish rag like that, I'd throw it out because it needs it, it's it's no good. It's, 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 it's great, you know. But we changed and we, we I, I remember seeing this years of reading it. Maybe it's a load of rubbish, but we, we changed to white in honour of Preston. Like Leeds changed to white in honour of Real Madrid. It's Preston who, who'd won the league and all that at that time and played possession football. And then under Arthur Rowe in the early 50s, we were the possession football. Vic Buckingham, who was involved with it, was one of the coaches or something, went off, got it going Ajax over the years. And then, of course, it went to Barca. So we are, that, this is Tottenham. We're attacking. We're, we're an exciting team. And this guy, in a short period of time, has, has produced a miracle. I suspect it's high-octane in training. That's why all these players are picking up knocks. And that's good. That's what you want. you just got to have a big squad. I mean, Skip now, he looks all right. He's obviously picked a knock up. They obviously get stuck in, you know. Um, so it's all good. I'm not... I would have been... If we hadn't got that... Had that risk, come, come good at the end and nicked a, got a couple of goals and pushed on the way we did, I would have been well depressed tonight you know but as it happens Arsenal's lost we've just got to find a way uh, you know between now and Sunday he's got to get everyone on that training pitch get them all together people like Davis can be very important because he'll be a starter there's no doubt about that they've got to really work on this and make the most of it you know um, it'd be very interesting to see to see what he does and I'm hoping that come next uh, Tuesday you know, we've got you know a couple of new geezers holding up Tottenham shirt with photos being taken at the ground. You know, if there's not, everyone's going to get quite pissed off because we've got to have that. You know, and then Burnley, I don't care. Chris, I know you was upset. You was at Fulham. I was at Fulham, and it was all just typical. Five thousand Spurs fans all coming at that end. You know, that, that stand at the end. I was in with the Fulham fans on the side. You know, and. Uh, Poshest fans in London, they are now Fulham fans. There used to be a sort of some kind of a normal manner. I don't mind like it around there. It's just a very genteel sort of thing, you know. And uh, it was so good. Watch, you know, yet again, another another early cup exit. But I think the injuries are so bad. Do you want him to play a full team against Burnley? You know, I, I don't mind if he puts a few youngsters in there. I really don't, you know. It'll be a tough game. I'm sure they'll come and they fancy the job, but... It's where we're at. I think the next game is the 15th, isn't it? Is that right? The next league game after Bournemouth, is that right? 15th for Jan or something? The Man United one. 
Yeah, it will be. There's yeah. one right. There's one right at the end of the month. It's United's like the fifteenth, isn't it? Brentford, Brentford at home. That's it. Yeah. So we got two home games, and that's it. You know. So you know, we, we're going to be. It, everyone's on brand. It'll be exciting, and we'll have a go at teams. We've just got to get some. We've just got to get some. You know, some fresh blood in there. Um, you know, uh, you know. Hopefully in January, without the games, we can we, we can get through it. I mean, what bothers me, like the likes of Porro and and Udogi, there's there's no what happened. Whatever happened to Sessignon? Any news on him? Is yeah, he, yeah, he's nearly back. He's nearly back. Is he? Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, Jar. I, I think you win the award for any guest covering so many different subjects by yeah. by me just giving you one question. Yeah, well, I'm known for that. I'm known. I'm it's well absolutely done, brilliant. I love everyone. He's right, what he says. And I, yeah. and I tell you what, I can't wait to have you on the 20 questions uh, show because I think we're going to cover so much on there. So cannot wait yeah. for that. Um, Russ, let's come to you. Now, in the 65th minute, Ange Postacoglu made a double sub. Um, Sarah and Richarlison going off. Brian Hill and Lacelso coming on. Five minutes later, Johnson went off. Viles come on. What did you make of those subs from Ange? Well, um, we could all see that the team suddenly played with some more energy. And um, lo and behold, we got a couple of goals and should probably have had four uh, before the end of the game in that sort of last 10 minutes. We should have gotten another couple of goals, I think. I mean, Hoiberg hitting the post was so unlucky. Pedro whacked it, was going in the middle of the goal and Brighton did what they did, I thought, pretty well all night, defend well. And so they, they stopped us there. But I I think, um, you know, they gave us a bit of fresh legs, as um, both Ricky and Jar have, uh, have talked about already. And, you know, what can he do? He, he can't turn and bring on a, an international apart from La Celso, you know, which is great, isn't it? So, but, you know, is he long-term for us? No, he's plugging a hole until he goes, as Jar said, to Spain or... Italy or South America or, or wherever he goes, because I think he's had enough chances. Uh, but we do need him at the moment. And to be fair, he, he did okay tonight. There was some fresh legs, fresh inspiration, late Ange ball. And who knows, you know, who was it who lost, who came back 4-0 uh, down? Was it Newcastle Arsenal or something? Was it 4-4 it ended? And I thought we were going to do that. That's right, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was, wasn't it? It was something like that. Yeah. And um, it could have been done tonight. You know, that's the amazing thing. Uh, but without Vic, um, we could have conceded six or seven. So you've got to keep it in, in perspective is what I'm saying. This is just bad night at the office, really, with some good bits. Mm. Russ, is it fair to say that that's the worst performance under Ange so far? I think so for me, certainly the first half. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, are we including Fulham, your favourite game, Chris? Well, at the end of the day, we, we didn't lose the game. We drew 1-1 and we lost on penalties. Yeah. You know, everyone knows my thoughts that, you know, you make 10 changes in a game um, where the cup competition is very uh, important to the fans, you know, to win a trophy. Um, yeah. But then when, when you look back, you know, in hindsight now, had we have had Carabao Cup games... And even if we were in the Europa Conference League or the Europa League this season, my God, what would we have done then with all of these injuries? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think we'd be sitting fifth in the Premier League. That's for sure. No. What would you, what would you do then? Because Jar Chris said uh, 
let the youngsters have a go or some of them against Burnley in the FA Cup. Do you think it's so important, this competition to us, previous record holders, of course, in the FA Cup, as we all know, and now we've been overtaken. Do you think it's important that we play as many of our top, top players that we can and, and take a chance? For me personally, yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I think that a, a cup competition um, is very, very important to, to Spurs and it's very important to all of us fans. You know, it's over 32 years since we lifted the FA Cup. It's an, yeah. it's an absolutely crazy stat. And I feel like every year when I do these shows, you know, I talk about that same stat and, it, and, and, and the years are just dragging on and getting bigger and bigger. And I cannot believe that, you know, Gary Mabbott in 1991 you know, lifted it for the last time for us. It's, it's a crazy, crazy stat and it needs sorting. And we need to take these uh, cup competitions seriously. And, you know, not not wanting to go over old ground, but, you know, speaking to so many Celtic fans, they, they said to me that the thing you're going to love about Ange is the fact that he's going to go full strength in these competitions. And I think it was a big shock to a lot of fans. Although yeah. a lot of fans try to be positive about that decision, I think it was a big shock to make 10 changes in a game you know, to, to, to not try and win that game. But, um, Ricky, let's come to you because let's talk about um, Tottenham's two goals. Vélez scored his first goal in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt in the 83rd minute. Ben Davis scored Tottenham's second um, in the 86th minute. It, it, it seemed that we created more chances in the, you know, latter part of the game than the, than the you know, first 80 minutes of the, of the match. What do you make of the two goals? I thought they were fantastic goals, really. I mean, it just showed fight and grit and a bit of determination. And, and we, we wasn't there to be embarrassed. I mean, I know he was already embarrassed at 4-0 down. But, you know, they wasn't going to be taking the birdies out of. Um, so they went for it. And there was nothing left to lose. You know, we was already 4-0 down at that point. So, you know, let's go for it. And like Russ and Jar already said there, by bringing on the subs that they did, it did give us some fresh legs. It did give us some... And, and those players had hunger. You know, Brian Hill had hunger on, on that left-hand side. Whether he's lightweight or not, and I've said that before myself, you know. Luka Modric. Um, Luka Modric. Luka. Too lightweight. Never make it. Play, play him exactly out wide. Right. So Harry played him out wide. It doesn't... It's mad. Iniesta. That, yep. that, that boy Gill's getting stronger. Sorry, sorry. Yep. Yeah, yep. and I think you're right. You know, Bernardo Silva's one, you know, and the great, the GOAT, Messi, was was another one who was very lightweight when they first started. I think there is definitely a player in there and you can see his hunger when he came on. You know, <clears throat> to, to Lo Celso's credit, the, the Lo Celso that I've seen under Ange has been the best version of Lo Celso, for, for me. You know, I, I've been a critic, critic of him for many a season and under all of the previous managers that he did have five minutes under, I, I, I have not been a fan, really. I, I've, I've looked, and much like Russ was saying earlier, I've looked and I've just kind of gone, well, this guy is just, he can't be bothered or he doesn't want to be here or he, he's just picking up a paycheck. It didn't look like he was bothered at all. But to be fair to him, under Ange, I have seen an improved performance. You know, I've seen, again, energy, hunger, and a bit of drive. He scored two goals already when he has played. And, you know, even the cameo um, against Everton, he came on and he started to split the lines and he started to run through people and he started to create problems. So the when it comes down to Lo Celso, it's like, under Ange, I think he's a totally different player. Whether he stays or not, that's a different question. Um but definitely the, the, the subs did bring a new impetus. And that's why, for me personally, I would have liked him 
to have brought on a Phillips or a Dorrington at that stage as well. You you might as well, at, at that point, you might as well have given them a run and, and given them some experience so that if they do come on or if they do start against Bournemouth, that they're not cold. Or if Ange is trying to hold off playing these players until Burnley in the FA Cup, well, then they don't go in cold. They've had a bit uh, of actual first-team football, you know? Um, but yeah, both goals were were due to us not laying down and, and never stopping. And, you know, as soon as we got that first goal and it was well worked, and you could see how, how hard, you know, 3-0 down, 4-0 down, those boys were going for it in that second half. They were looking to put things right. Things were just not bouncing the, 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 the right way. The, the shots that we did have on goal were blocked by three or four Brighton players. We've hit the post, as we've said. We've, it, it, we did have opportunities there. And they were fighting, but it, I think with that new energy that it, with the subs that the subs brought when they came onto the field, I, I, I think that it was kind of let's go for it. And you know, um, it, it wasn't let's shut up shop. It wasn't let's not concede five. It was let's go for it. Let's continue to play this way. That's why I think that it's in a, such a a stronger, longer lasting message, not just for this game, but for what's to come that this is the way that we are going to play and this is the way that you're going to play for me. Otherwise, you won't be here. Right now, we're in a situation where we've, we can only do and play what we've got. That We can't bring anybody in now. We can't change it, uh, you know, dr- drastically. And putting in a young one is a risk. You know, it is a risk. It, under 21 football and premiership football is two different, two, two different things. And we've seen it. We've seen it many a time before where a player has been ripping it up in, in the under-18s and the under-21s. And, you know, sometimes they just haven't been able to make that transition through to the first team. And for obvious reasons, whether that be strength or whether that be kind of uh, maturity or making the right decisions at the right time when in a premiership game when it's so fast and so furious. So there are those things. But when they have been given a go, you do get some gems. Now, the first goal scorer today for Brighton, how old was he? 18, 19, only played a couple of games, got his opportunity through injury. You know, uh, uh, what's his name? Bra- Braithwaite uh, at Everton, another one who they're asking big money for. Or they're qu- yeah, uh, they, but but he came into the side through injury, through, you know, uh, an, an opportunity, and he's taken his opportunity. So you, you don't know, like Jar was saying earlier, Come off the hour, come off the man. And when it, when you're down to these situations where you're down to bare bones, they're going to get a go, but it's up to them to kind of take it. And I'm not expecting them to be the finished article right now. And you can afford them a couple of mistakes here and there because they are going to be learning on the job. But bringing in those fresh legs can mean so much, not only to the football that we're trying to play, but to the side and every other man around them. You know, if everybody's running on 50 or 45 percent, then you're going to run down your fuel, uh, you know, cell really, really quick. You know, but if you've got a couple in there that are at 80, 90 percent, well, then they can actually boost the rest of you that are actually flagging and fatiguing. They can actually encourage you because you can give it to those people and they can run with it. They can be more energetic with it. They can do the things that, you know, having 80 to 100 percent energy can give you. So I think it's encouraging. Um, and I think that a, a brave manager like Ange will do that, but he just doesn't want to chuck them in at the wrong point. You know, he has been brave. He's brought on Donnelly. He's, um, he's brought on a couple of the youngsters. I think, 
you know, Santiago for the under-21s. I thought he's been fantastic. I think he's well worth a shout at this point, as well as Dorrington and, and Phillips. So we have got some good youngsters there. It, it might be their time. I was very disappointed with Saar tonight, by the way. I thought it was one of the poorest games I've seen him have. Yeah. And, and, and another young player, though, another young player that is, that is kind of, it's, it's almost expected that he's going to dip. I, I totally get you as well, Joe. You know, he's been so energetic. He's been so fantastic in that midfield, playing box to box, you know, for, for 90 minutes. He's been, he's been phenomenal all season. I think he's been, at, at, throughout the whole season, uh, um, you know, 19 games and counting. I think he's been the most improved. Basuma had a great first 10 games. But like you said there, after the red card, it's gone a bit wobbly. And we've seen a bit of the old Basuma and then we've seen a bit of a tetchy, apprehensive Basuma. But Saar, he's continued to grow throughout. So, you know, he, he was due a bad game. And I think tonight was a bad night and a bad day at the office, like the both of you have said already. And, and I think that Saar falls into that category as well. Yes. Joel, let's come to you. In the 92nd minute, there was nine minutes added on, by the way. In the 92nd minute, Kulosevsky shot over the bar. In the 95th minute, Hoybier hit the post. Kulosevsky's shot was then saved. Uh, in the 97th minute, Son hit the side netting. And then in the 99th minute, uh, Brian Hill blasted over the bar. So there was opportunities to perhaps get a point. Um, it would have been a remarkable comeback. Well, the Holberg, if the Holberg one goes in, they're yeah. absolutely... I thought it was going to be like Leicester City away. You know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, when uh, the Dutch boys scored for us in the, twice, in the, you know, in the last in the last minutes of added time. Yeah, um, if 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 the one from Holberg goes in, that was the one that come closest. Uh, Kulusevski wound me up a little bit when he coming in was shooting, you know, because it wasn't necessarily the right thing to sort of do. You know, you got to control it a bit more. Um, Son, it was difficult. I thought the Brian Gill one, you know, he he, he wasn't that far over, you know, you know, wasn't you know, it wasn't wasn't that terrible an effort as it happens, you know. On another day, it balloons into the top of the net, you know. But um, yeah, we we they really gave it a go. They just obviously needed that third goal with at least two or three minutes left to play, and and it, you know, I was I was half expecting it to happen at that time. There's something about Tottenham with comebacks. I know we we often say ourselves as very weak. I think we we've come back from behind more times than any other Premier League team. Am I right? You know, I think we've come back, you know, more times statistically. And I thought we were going to do it, you know. Um, but now I'm already putting the game out of my head. Um, bad day at the office, you know. Um, a couple of players didn't show up. They looked leggy. I do wonder about the African Cup with it with Basuma and Saar. And the uh, the Asian Cup with with Son, I'm sure their minds would be on it, you know. Um, you just can't, you know, if I'm the gaffer, I'd be. He's obviously he's very uh, positive, and he doesn't moan about it. But if I'm the gaffer, I just kind of want him gone, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so I can get on with it. I'm, I can't help but just keep looking forward to the Bournemouth game and wondering if he'll start Sar. I guess he will. I guess he'll start Sar and he'll start Son. Um, but I think he'll, he'll skip will feature if he's not outcrocked, he will feature because he's the he's 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 the box the box guy, isn't he? Really, you know, he's got that he's got an engine on him. I'll give him that. Um, against Barcelona pre-season, he played very well, didn't he? Skip, yeah. you yeah. know. 
Um, so, you know, I guess he's going to have him in there. I can't see anyone else but Holberg playing, you know. I think Gill will feature at some point in that game as well, you know. Um, uh, it just He's going to have to find a way, Ange. He's going to have to tweak it. And it's going to be very, 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 very tricky because Bournemouth will get behind us. If you, if, you know, they've got more propensity to get behind us than Brighton, the way they're playing right now. That's what their game's all about. You know, it's going to be. I'm, I'm absolutely bricking it for that game. Got to be honest. You know, I, we're going to have to really come up with something, some answer from somewhere with the team selection. You know, um, and you're going to need someone like Lo Celso to come in because I'm sure he will feature. I can't see. I can't see him not starting. And this could be the big game for him to really orchestrate it and have, let's finally have a fantastic game. For Tottenham, I agree with Ricky that he's, um, you know, this is the best football we've seen under any manager with low cells because he's a footballer, there's no doubt about it. And he can pass the ball. There's criticism, he holds on to it a little bit too long. Um, and I think Angie's all about moving it very fast in those triangles and all that. But he is a footballer. And yet again, sometimes in that pre season, when he came on, he was out. He'd come on with Perisic, and our left side looked very good, I thought. He was in that sort of inside left position, and he was doing well, low self So we've got to think he's got to come on and really, really step up to the plate and have a big game, you know. And, uh, you know, with, with Holberg, he's got to have a whisper in his ear and say, look, you know, you know you're not my cup of tea, mate, you know, for the style, but you're a decent player. I'd be saying you're a better player than me, mate. So don't worry. And you're going to have a great career. I just need you for the next game or two to, you know, you're, you've really got to lead that team because although he's not the captain or vice captain, really he's the closest thing to a proper captain we've got out there, to be fair, Holberg, right now. For me, you know, um, you know, in, with Son going, you know, and Romero not there and Madison out, you know, who is there? Davis is, is a good lad. Obviously, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm already. I was interested tonight what we would do, and I was wondering if you might innovate, you know, with somehow. And I didn't really see that. It was just annual, you know, see any sort of innovation. I think I think we're going a little bit longer now with Vicario's kicking a bit longer now. Ricardo's up front, and we are seeing that, which's not been talked about much, um, you know. So they're going to really have to go out and be, you know. You're going to need fresh, you know, fresh legs against against Bournemouth. This is a this is a bloody cup final. This is, and then we've got two weeks to get a couple of new bodies in, and against Man United, maybe have a couple of players back. Maybe you know, Van der Ven or Madison or somebody will be back as well, and that would be great because they're going to be. Rece- I know a lot of United fans up here. Um, I played with Elbert, the old kit man. I still play with him and uh, Mike, who was the doctor. Oh yeah, so. I mean, they banned me. They tried, you know, from the list I got told to cough the other day. I said, You've got to learn patience, I said. You've got to learn patience. You know, you've got to learn patience. This was before, before the Villa game, you know. You've got to be patient and you've got to look upon it. We've been 10 years we've had this shit. Like we've had 60 bloody years. We haven't won the cup for 30 years. So I said, what you need to do is look upon it as a 20-year plan. You're halfway through a 20-year plan. It's all going to come good. 
Oh, fuck off. You know, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but go on, they, go they're going to gonna be resurgent now. You know, they're going to fancy the job <laughs> after the other night. They've got the fruit feel good with Radcliffe. I mean, they'll drop points this season. But that's one, you know, we, we, that's going to be, that's going to be, because they'll fancy the job against us, you know. Um, yeah. So we've got to have, we've got to have a proper defence in there now. We really have, you know. Um, and and we've not what bothers me our fullbacks do so much work, but we've got no cover for them. You know, it's a shame. Dispense is looking good playing on the left at Leeds, and Rodon, by the way, not been doing bad at Leeds as well. You know, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have both of them there right now, just for this emergency. <laughs> Obviously, they can't be recalled, but you know, I wonder right now. I wonder at the end of the season if Spence might come back as cover. You know. Two very quick answers from each of you. Um, who was your man of the match for this evening? And if you had to predict where Spurs will finish at the end of the season, what are you going with? John, let's start with you. Just two very quick answers. I'll come back to me. Let, let them answer first. Oh, because I, yeah, I let them because I, I'm just I'm struggling. I'm drowning to think of who was our who was our best player. Vicario, you know? I'm going to go with. Yeah, okay, right. Vic, I, I, okay, Vicar, of course. Yeah, I'm thinking of outfield players. Vicario, our best player. And you say, where are we going to finish at the end of the season? Yeah. yeah. I, I think we'll we'll think we'll finish second. Second? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because when we get the players back, when we get them back with Madison, with this guy, with a gaffer, and with this renewed, you know, vigour, we'll make a proper push. I've got no doubt about that. I've got no doubt about it. This is just this is just crucial now. This is this is Britain in the second world war before the Yanks come in. We're beleaguered. This is nineteen forty. We haven't had El Alamein yet. My old man's at El Alamein. Um this is this is we haven't had El Alamein yet. We haven't had the El Alamein. We we we're being battered. This is terrible. So and funny enough, he liked the Aussies, he said they were good fighters. Never had a bad word to say about the Germans either, funny enough. But whatever. Uh, I'm digressing again. I'm digressing again. But we're going to come good. Vicario, and we're going to finish second. There you go, Chris. Russ? Um, Vicario. And the reason, Jar, is that he kicks long a bit more, as you would if you had no central defenders in front of you. Um, well, but I thought Ange was against that. He wasn't allowed to, but now he seems to allow well, it. Even Ange has gone, Jesus. Kick it long, Vic. Bloody hell, mate. It's Holberg. Fucking kick it up. Yeah, that's it. And I think we'll finish fourth. And that is our base camp. And you know what happens after the base camp, don't you? You head for the summit. And that's next season. Yeah. 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 Ricky? I'm I'm with Russ, brother. I'm with Russ. Yeah, Vicario, and I'm gonna say fourth, and who knows? But I don't like to like like the boss said. No no ceilings, no floors. Let's just see what happens. But yes, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna back Russ on that one. Right. So the transfer window opens in just over three days' time. Of course, all of us fans um, really enjoy the transfer window. You know, so much speculation, so many players being linked with the club. Um, and Postacoglu said in his press conference on Wednesday he wants the business done early. This is what he had to say. I don't know, because um, 
there's just so many moving parts here. Obviously, if we can do business early, it's great for us. Um, for, not not just because of obviously losing Romero, but I just think yeah, there's a whole month there. Why waste it? You know, if you can bring them in early, even if there's no, you know, even if they don't play, you can bet them into training. You can bet them into our style of football because it's not like we're going to sign somebody and they're going to you know hit the ground running. Maybe they could, but you know. So whereas if you leave it to the end of sort of January, then Potentially, it's not till sort of mid to end, end of February where they get up to speed with things. And depending where they're coming from, sort of the league they're coming from. So there's a whole lot, range of moving parts. Ideally, yes, I'd love to do something early in the window. Um, but I guess even me saying that puts a challenge on, on us because then other clubs know that we want to do something early. So you just, yeah, you've got to play the game and, and see what happens. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be sort of, you know, much earlier than the end of the window when we do bring someone in. Ricky, let's come to you first on the January transfer window. What do you think and wants as an absolute minimum in the January window? And do you think he's going to get everything he wants? Uh, I think we all know that he wants a centre-back. He's wanted another centre-back since the summer. So that is definitely a nailed on. I think the... Uh, I think he, he will... The, the other... For, for me, he's going to bring in two permanents. If he, you know, the best case scenario is two permanents and one loan, and I think one of those has to be a centre back. The other one, I'm unsure of, of whether he goes, depending on the loan. This is just my theory on whether he goes midfield or attacker. So if he can get the attacker in, I think he'll try and take a midfielder on loan. If he can get a midfielder in that he wants, I think he'll get an attacker on loan and uh, to, to, to get us through to the rest of the season. But yeah, uh, whoever Aj wants, for me, um, I, I think we should get. And I don't care what position that is. I don't care what his name is. I don't care what his highlight reel looks like. If Aj wants him and he can fit the system that, you know, that Aj has implemented on this Tottenham side, then I'm going to be a happy guy. And it doesn't have to be a £100 million player. It just has to be somebody that is suited and been recommended and has been scouted properly. And we know the character of the player. The character of the player for an Ange Postacoglu player is is massive. You know, um, as you've heard from all of the players that came in over the summer in their interviews, you, you heard how much impact Ange had on them and how much impact they had on Ange. Vicario, for example, and Vicario's story, coming from nothing, building up, and and getting to where he went, you know, he didn't he, he didn't want David Rea, he he wanted Vicario, and, and there was a reason for that, and we're seeing that. So as long as we trust that, and we trust our scouts and the the type of player that we need for for this system, then I think that we could be in in, in a healthy position come the end of the window. Um, it's going to be tough in the January window. It always is. We know this. I'm bored of hearing it i'm bored of saying it that it's going to be tough in the in a january window but with our injuries as well you and the fact that the boss has just said there we would like them in early i think that's already added an extra five ten mil on anybody that we're speaking to right now you know um so it is going to be difficult so just be patient and as long as the ones that come in are you know angeball ready i'll be a happy guy John, let's come to you on the January transfer window because, of course, we have seen. I know Andrew's already said it's going to be tricky in the January window. Um, it is always difficult to bring in quality. We brought in Kulisewski and Bentenker in the same window on the 31st of January. So it can be done. Um, I, I, I completely agree with Ricky. I think a lot of fans always say, you know, 
the, the board need to go out and spend, you know, a lot of money, it proves the money that we paid on Vicario, the small amount we paid on Vicario, and then you look at players like Ondombele, record signing, doesn't work out, hasn't worked out under multiple different managers. It's about identifying the right players, in my opinion. But when you think about Ange Postacoglu's first and only transfer window, that one was exceptional. So do you expect another exceptional window for Tottenham? Yeah, I think this guy, uh, to be fair, Paratici got in good players who I think were tactically uh, flexible. You know, people like Poro, who we all thought was a nailed on right wing back, but he's become a right back and actually worked very hard on his game. And so there was, I think, some good recruitment done ahead of time, to be fair. So that squad, we all suspected it wasn't as bad as what people said it was. So I think that's an important kind of point to make. Um, it's going to be difficult because it's Tottenham, you know, and people know you, 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 you're a little bit desperate, you know. So they're going to try and have you over a barrel. But I still think what they'll do, I bet you they've got half a dozen centre-halves lined up and they'll just wait and they'll use people as a stalking horse. It's like they're very serious about this guy, but actually they wanted this other guy over here all along. And I've got a feeling Angie's very straightforward with what he wants. And, that you know, they know, you you know, you, he's straight talking and you've got to listen to him and you've got to be straight back and you've, you, they'll identify the players that they want, you know. I mean, Russ mentioned earlier about Brighton and their players, how good they are. And, of course, we've talked about this before. They've got that barber guy there who was at Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know, I know a bloke who, who's one of the people involved there more on the fan sort of side, massive Brighton fan. Um, and he, he, you know, all he wants to do is bend your ear about how great Brighton are, you know. But they've, they've, all the dots join up there, you know. All the dots join up. Or the recruitment's incredible, as it was at Leicester for, for just a little while. And then they kind of went off the ball. But I'm sure they're going to bounce back and be a force again. But, you know, and of course, it's all about going out there. I'm buying, the, you know, players for 15s and 20s, not like End and Belly, where you think, God, there's no due diligence done here, you know? Uh, what a waste of money, you know? Um, all because he had one good game against City, I suppose, basically, um, when he was at Lyon or, or, or Lille or wherever it was, you know? But um, you've, got, it, you've got to be thinking ahead of time. And, of course, it's all about the philosophy, you know? Um, and then you do the, the due diligence on the players. And I think this Paratici looks like he, you know, I'm glad he's still there and he's involved because I think he did well, you know. Um, so I would expect, surely, they'll have players lined up and they'll come in and they'll, they've will they got to hit the ground running, you know. And, hey, Tottenham's a much more, uh, an, an easier sell to a lot of players now, isn't it? There's a real buzz there. There's a great stadium and you would have thought we're in with a good shout of European football, at least bloody Europa, if not Champions League, at the end of the season, you know. So, you know, yeah, I mean, we need a centre-half for sure. I would like to see another proper kind of pivot-type player, you know, um, to come in and start now giving Basuma a run for his money. And, of course, we've got Benton Cure coming back. Can you imagine, you know, if we sign a really elite-level holding player and we got that, 
and Madison and Bentecure as you know as the attacking midfielders. My God, you know, and, and I still think there's a, if the, I think he fancies probably getting another forward in. Um, I would think a very mobile forward fancies a job probably good on both sides who can who can play anywhere up front. I think he likes that tactical flexibility with his players, and you know, which tends to go with that total football thing. You know, there's everything's interchangeable and all that stuff. You know, so you know it's it's less fixed. So he still likes a good spine, and he knows what a number nine is and what a good centre half is and all that caper. But we definitely need at least one centre half, and we were in trouble if we don't. We we're desperate for that now. We were anyway. He's got to get that in. And then you're gonna, you know, you, you obviously you have to be. You can't go mental because you've got so many players coming back from injury. But it's all about getting through. To me, it's about getting through. It's about build. The main thing is about building the belief with the players and the fans and everyone in the and way of doing things. And we're halfway there anyway. No one's. There's no dissenting voices. But on the tactical side of things. It's about getting to February and we're still in touching distance of the top. That's what it's about because I've got great hopes for this team. It, you know, as you said earlier, Chris, if we hadn't had these injuries, mate, I, I don't see how we wouldn't have had at least another six points on the ball. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's my, that's my, sorry I go on a bit as well. I always go no, on. no, no, it's great. Russ, let's come to you. Um, okay. On, on the transfer window, what do you think Ange is asking for? And I think it's very fair to say that previous managers have said, you know, pretty similar before about, you know, getting deals done early. You know, the transfer window in the summer was exceptional. Do you expect this to continue? And what do you think is the difference now with Ange saying, I want players in early and, and getting what he wants? Well, I think the chairman will be aware of the sentiment um, from the fans towards Ange, the feeling of the players, more importantly, perhaps, um, and the perception of Spurs under Ange uh, out there in the greater world. And it's all extremely positive. So I think he is more likely to listen to a quietly spoken, reasoned and very forceful man, which he obviously is. Uh, than he is to a, an Italian who's raving and jumping up and down by his, uh, you know, oak table in his office. So I think that's a good thing, the way that Ange is and the way that Ange has been. What Ricky and Jara have said, I think, are absolutely right. Central defender, uh, a pivot, beautiful description, Jar in midfield, and maybe a striker. That, you know, if we talk, if we talk the lottery, that would be a serious, serious win. I don't think we're going to win the lottery in this transfer window, but I think we'll have a nice scratch card win. But I think in the summer transfer window, we'll win the Euro Millions. I think that's where it's really going to happen. Yeah. Russ, do you expect anyone to go out in this January? Yes, I do. Two. Hoiberg, probably to Juventus. And I think Hugo, um, 11 years at our football club as our club captain, unbelievable servant, Wonderful bloke, uh, World Cup winner. I think he will go, as we've been learning today, probably to the MLS or uh, the United States. Uh, yeah. So I think those two will definitely go, I'm pretty sure, because everything you read about Pierre uh, Hoiberg, you know, is he's got a new agent. He happens to be a lawyer. Oh, really? And um, he happens to be an Italian. So uh, I don't think you need to be good at jigsaws to put the pieces together. 
Rush, you mentioned the FA Cup earlier. Um, I asked um, Match of the Day pundit and former Tottenham Hotspur defender Danny Murphy about whether top four or the FA Cup is more important to the club right now. This is what he had to say. Hi, Chris and everyone at the Spurs podcast. Um, my thoughts on Tottenham this season. Absolute breath of fresh air. Really enjoyed watching them play. I think the turnaround has been incredible. Um, the way they play, the energy, um, the courage to play on the front foot. It's been really, really good to watch. And if it wasn't for the disappointing injuries, I think they'd be in a better position. But it, it, it's bode, bodes well for the future. I mean, the, the manager, Ange, likeable, um, clear identity of how he wants to play. You can see that in the team, a work ethic that... You know that every fan wants to see from his player, from the players, really going after teams, really trying to entertain and play on the front foot, which is exactly what you want and something you haven't had for so long now. So it's been a remarkable change, and all that without Harry Kane, of course. Everyone's saying that you know it was going to be impossible without him, or they've got to sign somebody. But with Son, Richarlison coming into his own now, the the options in the forward line, Solomon's got to come back. Um, the options in the forward line are pretty good. Obviously, Madison's a miss. Um, in the in January, centre half's key, of course, um, to cover the likes of Romero and Van der Ven. Although Ben Davis did a good job in there when he was asked to, but he's not really got that pace to defend one on one like Van der Ven does. So probably some cover in centre half. I know Andrew's already said that. Um, also, probably in midfield, Basuma and Saar probably going off to the African Nations. I think. Um, so maybe some cover in there, even if it's alone, depending on Ben Tanker's injury, and maybe an, an extra forward if there's one out there that's going to be better or compete with the ones you've got. But I, I think ultimately the positivity around the place is is amazing um, because of what he's done. The manager deserves so much credit. In terms of aspirations for the season, I mean, I think a top four would be long-term better for the club than an FA Cup, although the fans, obviously, you're all desperate for a trophy and understandably why, because it's something you remember forever as a fan and a player. But top four means that you get the opportunity to sign different types of players because that lure of Champions League is key when you're trying to sign players, the financial aspect of it. Um, and, of course, all those wonderful games you'll get to compete in if you're in the Champions League. And also keeping the players you've already got. <clears throat> I think when the players start shining and thriving um, under Ange, the, the reality is that sometimes other clubs come. Uh, we've seen that with Real Madrid, for example, with players in the past. So Champions League will help keep that um, momentum and keep the players there you've already got. So, yeah, I think that's probably what I'd say, but I'm not sure you fans would agree. Um, all the best. Cheers, chaps. Ross, hey. let's come to you Hang first. about, Chris. You're, you're, meet, you're hanging about with Daniel Levy and Paratici. <laughs> you're going to pull up geezers like Danny Murphy. I know. Yeah. You're starting to go up the totem pole, my son. <laughs> well, we're, trying to, we're trying to improve things. I'm trying to do an end. You are. Yeah. You're doing good, mate. You're doing good. Um, Russ, let's come to you first on this. Top four or FA Cup, what's more important to you as a fan? Both. Do you think Andrew's going to go out all out to try and win the FA Cup or or is it about league position this season? Well, he's no fool and he will know the club's history uh, inside and out. I would have thought of us in the FA Cup. He, 
unless he's absolutely forced to, I think he'll put a strong team out. And um, we get everybody back. Fourth is definitely doable. So both. Yeah, I agree. I, I, would, I would love uh, both, obviously. But I think the FA Cup, um, actually, Ricky, let's let's get your opinion. FA Cup or top four? <laughs> if you had to choose one, if you could choose one, what one would you go with? Because Danny Murphy said there, interestingly, you know, the Champions League, you can attract better players, you keep your players as well. Um, but with a cup, you know, you remember the cup wins, and it's been so long since we've seen the the players parading down with a trophy down that high road. I mean, a trophy is so special for us and it's so important for us. And we can all see that under this manager that those good times are coming back. Like, if he had a full squad to choose from, then those times are coming back. I am totally with Russ in saying both uh, because I think both of them are doable, especially with some extra, um, you know, some extra firepower in January. And then with the players coming back, you know, I, I think it's definitely doable. But you know what? If you're going to push me, <clears throat> I'll say this, mate. I'll say this because I've just worked it out. I've just worked out how I can win. I'll say the FA Cup and we finish fifth, but we get into the Champions League. Hey, outside the top four. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> Joe, what's more important to you, FA Cup or top four? Um, it's, it's a tricky one, you know. I, I guess if you get the FA Cup, it's a night out. It's a tangible trophy. It buys the gaffer, you know, time and faith with people. But if you get fourth, you have to think of the financial rewards of that. You know, with the group stages, you've got a full stadium. You can attract better players. And to be honest, my view with this guy is, if you forget clinging at that stuff and you follow the philosophy and you have faith in the philosophy and take it a game at a time, You'll end up challenging and winning the highest things you can win. You'll go beyond FA Cups. You will then start to pick up the, the cups by default with this guy, is my feeling. So it's a you know it's a moot point really. I think you know there's no reason with this guy why you can't win the title. There's no reason why you can't I think Champions League's another issue with this kind of football. I think when you play the real top teams. There's such a tactical know-how. Mm. So, you know, look at Arsenal, you know, over the years in the Champions League, you know, the flat-track bullies do well here when they were, back in the days they were in the Champions League. But you knew they always come a cropper against those really top, top sides in Europe, you know. So I think we could win, it's in us to win the title with this guy and to get into the lesser stages of the Champions League. And I think that by default, once he's got a full squad, we'll start picking up um, Caribou Cups and FA Cups again, you know, which would be lovely because I'm coming at Spurs, I run their way to Wembley, you know, and I was one of them. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. You know, the first game I can remember, you know, with the 67, I can remember when we, we um, I remember the cup one, we smashed Birmingham at home in that, I think in a replay, 6-0 or something, you know. Um so, you know, I loved all that. We had a great cup team. We were a cup team at that little period. So I loved going to Wembley, you know. Uh, you know, we used to jib in. We used to just jump over the over the turnstile, you know, um, and all that paper. Also, so I, I believe, you know, I don't think I've done anything really wrong, you know. But um, anyway, so, yeah, I think that, that I honestly think the FA Cups and the Caribou Cups will take care of them. They'll take care of themselves anyway, you know. 
The last thing we're going to cover, of course, uh, as Jar has mentioned many times, our next game is against Bournemouth on the 31st of December. Uh, on Sunday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, 2pm kickoff. Uh, Bournemouth are on a very good run, as I mentioned earlier. Um, their last seven Premier League games have produced six wins and one draw. Four of them, six wins, have been away from home. Um, beating Newcastle 2-0 at home, beating Sheffield United 3-1 away, drawing 2-2 at home against Aston Villa, and then beating Palace away 2-0, Manchester United 3-0 away, Nottingham Forest 3-2 away, and most recently beating Fulham, 3-0 at home. Now, Russ, before I get your thoughts on the game, uh, let's hear from Sean Till, a former Bournemouth defender. Hi, Chris and everyone at the Spurs chat podcast. Um, here's my thoughts on the game at Tottenham, Bournemouth on the 31st of December. Um, I think it will be a, a tough old game for, well, for both teams, really, because you're both form teams at the moment. Uh, Tottenham are playing some great stuff under Ange, uh, moving the ball around well, attacking at will really. Um, but Bournemouth are doing well. Um, you know they're they're in a bit of a run of of wins. So, and when when you go to to United and win three 0 you know it's not to be sniffed at. So I think it'll be a hell of a game, um, and I I really think possibly a draw is the result that will end up. Um, so, glad to be of uh, assistance with this and uh, hope all's well. Russ, Sean Till is going for a draw. What, what, what are you thinking? Um, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm, at this moment, I'm glad we're not playing Brighton. Um, uh, I would say um, they are the form team you know, as you said, Chris, in the Premier League, but, you know, we're Spurs, we're at home, fantastic atmosphere, coming off the back of a defeat, a game that, you know, was a bit like Custer's last stand in the last sort of 10 minutes for Brighton defenders and uh, they came through it. Um, I, I, think, I think we'll win. I think we'll win. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty. I'm not saying that it's going to be super-duper Ange ball, but somehow... A bit like um, the game against Everton. Uh, I think they'll have a lot of the ball, um, and we will. But somehow, I think we'll get over the line and it'll be Happy New Year. Russ, before we get your score prediction, just wanted to ask you about the links to Dominic Solanke. Um, not for January, but the summer. Um, apparently, Spurs are interested and Bournemouth would want around £50 million. Is he worth £50 million? And would you like a Spurs shirt? Well, goals are the currency of valuation, aren't they, if you're a striker? Um, uh, I think us and a number of other clubs would be probably, you know, sitting back and going, oh, Dominic Solanke's woken up a bit. Um, yeah, if he keeps going, I, I don't think that Ange would be sending him a Valentine's card or anything, but I think we've got an eye on him. Um, but let's hope he has a terrible game on New Year's Eve. Yeah. What score prediction are you going with? Funnily enough, 1-0. 1-0. Wow. Ricky? Yeah. Ricky, what are you thinking? For me, you know, I never, even in the darkest of times, ever back Tottenham to lose. And I'm going to stay true to form and never back them to lose uh, against uh, Bournemouth on the 31st. Uh, for me, I think it's going to be a ding-dong of a battle. I think it's going to be back and forth as per usual. 
But, you know, it's going to be Sonny's last game, captain in the side before he goes off to the Asia Cup. You've got Saar in there that is just about to go. And I know Jar wants them to hurry up and leave. Uh, but I reckon they're going to put in a, a, a bit of a performance for us to say goodbye and, and make sure that we leave with the three points. So, uh, But I'm going to say it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be Tot- Tottenham 3, uh, Bournemouth 2. I agree with that score prediction, Rick. That's exactly what I'm going to go with as well. Joe, what are you going with? Well, my head tells me it's it's a, it's a clear win for Bournemouth by two clear goals, but I can't. It's too depressing for me to. <laughs> or one. I do worry about Saar, and as I've made very clear, Saar and Saar, yeah. because I do, I do, I do. I think they're worried about taking knocks. You know, so it does worry me. I'm. I don't know. That's the point. I don't think these players right now will give you 101%. I did wonder about Bissouma getting a red card. It's like, did you fucking mean that? You know. But you said we're finishing second. Huh? You said we're finishing second. Well, we are. We're going to finish second, but we talk about the Bournemouth games. Yeah. So I've got. Yeah, but we need points to get second. All my doubts doubts are about them going to the African Cup and the Asian Cup to play with their countries. I, I worry about them giving 101% right now. I think they will when they come back, but I think they'll be worried about... For them, it's like the European Championships. For us, it's huge for them. So, you know, it's a real pain in the ass. They've got to go. And it bothers me. It bothers me. But, yeah, I've got no doubt we're going to really push on. Of course, we've got Madison coming back. We've yeah. got Van der Ven. You know, what a player he is. we got Benton Cure, the best midfielder in the world, I reckon. That guy, elegant player. So I've got no doubts about finishing second, but I am concerned about the Bournemouth game. I was, but I was very concerned about tonight, Brighton, and I was very concerned about Everton. Against Everton, we found a way, so we've got to do that again. Um, so I'm, I think they're big goals. I think it'd be end to end. I think three two is a pretty good prediction. I'll go with that. I've got a vision of Brian Gill going mental, having got the winner in the ninety-fourth <laughs> minute. Sometimes, sometimes I get these visions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you're right. Um, yeah. Joe, you think I hope right? I'm bloody right. You know, I yeah. hope you're right. I hope you're I'm bloody gonna be, right. I intend to be there. One thing, the younger boy's going, and he's never seen... He's been quite a few times to the new stadium, quite a few. Never seen us lose. Never seen us lose so far. So, you know. Well, we all look forward to it. Hopefully Spurs can get back to winning ways. Joe, you've been a fantastic guest, as usual. Thank you so much for joining us. Are you back on tour soon? Yeah, I've always never... So, when's the tour? It's finished for this year. We're back in Ireland. February, we tour Ireland. Then we're touring here again in April or May. And then we tour in America in uh, in June. In the summer, people said, why'd you put it off to the summer? Why do you think? Because Tottenham's not playing. So, Love it. So you don't miss any trophy parades, hopefully, yeah. Oh, uh, mate, I mean, I'm there. I don't if we win. I'm, I Just before I peg it, I'm getting old. Please, can we just win the bloody league? One, <laughs> you know, please, so I can go mental, you know, yeah. Well, Jar, thank you so much. Look forward to having you back on in the near future. And Russ, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure, Pleasure. having you back. Um, when are you next on the radio? Uh, in about... Oh, six hours. Wow. Six hours. Nation oh, wow. 80s. <clears throat> Too much 80s is never enough. 
That's right. DAB online on the app, Nation Player. I'll be there at six o'clock tomorrow. Thank you for having me on, Chris. It's always a pleasure. And well done on your continued success. And I love that you're getting all these great interviews and people contributing to the show. It looks really good. So uh, thank you, Russ. Nice to be on with you, Jar, as well. And Ricky, thank, thank you, God you. you're still alive in EastEnders. <laughs> 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 Happy yeah, New Year, good. everyone. Russ, thank you so much. Look forward to having you back on in the near future. And Ricky, um, of course, tell us all about the Dancing on Ice. Um, how's it all going? How's the training going? When's the live show starting? Oh, mate, it is, it's, it's all coming up, my friend. We're on Christmas break at the minute. We get back into work uh, and work mode, show mode, uh, January 2nd. So we start back up training January 2nd. The first show will be January 14th. And I will be in the second show January 21st. So they split us off. So I'll be in the second show. Um, so it gives me a little bit more extra time, I suppose, to just get these routines down. I'm really hoping that I still remember how to ice skate because it's been two weeks. Do you know what I mean? So all of those things that I've learned up to now, I hope I still, you know, I've retained them. Um, but no, it's an amazing journey. Honestly, it's something that I, I, I never really in, in the past ever would have thought that I would have said yes to. But it's been a fantastic challenge. It's great to do things that scare you sometimes. It's great to do things that you think that you can't do and then end up doing it. Um, it's been an amazing journey from day one to the end of Christmas break. I can't believe how far I've come. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm not 100%. But just, you know, fr from holding on to the sides and getting splinters in my fingernails, because I couldn't let go of the side to doing a, a spin and to go forwards, backwards and, and doing all of this madness that I'm doing. I, I, I can't believe that I'm doing it, but um, yeah, the, the, it's going to be showtime. So it's going to, this is where the way it gets real, you know? And um, so I'm super looking forward to it. It's going to be an amazing adventure wherever I end up finishing. It's going to be an amazing adventure. So um, I'm just uh, about to get into work mode, basically my friend. Well, very best of luck. Um, I just want to quickly Thank ask you. Russ and Joel, if, if you were asked to do Dance on Ice, would you do it? Well, as he right, I learned to ice skate at the Savelle Centre many years ago. I used to go to Bayswater and up in Streatham there was one. And a, and there was a, and Josh Shacker used to play the Bally High Club up at Streatham. So you go for an ice skate and then there's some, there's some sounds. So I remember, but straight with the blades, the yeah. Yeah, am I right, Ricky? Yeah, so you're this, right. You're you know, right. Leaning yeah. forward, forward as you, you know, leaning into the blades like this, and then the spins and all that caper. You, and you get it. So I haven't done it for years, but yeah, you start to go around in a circle, don't you? You learn and then yeah, yeah. And you get into all I'm the gonna, complicated stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna get onto the. I'm gonna get on the phone, bro. I'm gonna put your name in. All right, I'm gonna. Put I'm sure I'm there. I'm, I'm there. I, I played football. It's my last game. I played at Player Lane. I played with Gareth Ainsworth. Was on the team. I got the last. I got last minute goal to win the game playing the Cherry Red Records the other week. And I said that I broke me farm plan for it was that and the other. And so I'm now. I'm going to stick with me Pilates. I think Ricky. Do you know what? All right, I mean? all right. Yeah, yeah but, <laughs> but, good. But, but the best of luck to you, mate. Yes. Thank you, brother. I didn't expect that answer. I tell you, I think it's like <laughs> tonight. Save the best or last. Yeah. Um, yeah. Russ, would you do dancing on ice? If you were phoning me, I'd be saying, I'm sorry, Corley, you're breaking up. And I'd be like, <laughs> no. Well, Russ, Jar, and Ricky, thank you so much for joining me this evening. And uh, hopefully uh, when we're back on New Year's Eve against Bournemouth, we will be back to winning ways and Tottenham climb up uh, back into the top four. 
Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, come on, you Spurs. Come on. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com